1: Well hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me Chris Hall and him Pete George and delighted to say we're coming to you on a very chilly Sunday uh, afternoon but with a very warming victory to talk about. Uh, I mean you needed something to warm you up in in the Hawthorns last night because it was absolutely blooming Baltic but I tell you what didn't feel the cold air one little bit because I was too heartened by what I was seeing a tremendous West Bromwich Albion display to turn over Ipswich Town second in the league and you know I mean just uh, they've had a fantastic season up to uh, up to this point and Albion to go and to defeat them in the in the manner that we did was just absolutely phenomenal and Pete uh, and we, we were just we were just chatting about this off air obviously you know it's only it's which is second uh, second defeat um with with the first team this season to stop them scoring and we'll come to the numbers around that a little bit, um, little bit more later. But I went on Talking Town, the uh, uh, the the Ipswich uh, podcast earlier in the week, because the the guys there are uh, great guys, good friends, uh, good friends of mine. Um, and <laughs> I uh, they they said to me, "What kind of game can we expect?" And I said, "Look, you're the kind of team we probably like playing because you will come and have a go at us. You you uh, you won't sit off us. We struggle against teams that sit in against us. Um, we're we, we're the kind of team that." is happy to let you have an awful lot of the ball and we will, uh, and we will go and uh, hit you on the, hit you on the break and, and all that, uh, all that sort of thing. And uh, I said, look, I know you've conceded the first goal in, in, and I think it's six consecutive games now, and you really don't want to do that against us. <laughs> and Pretty much everything I said to them came true. And I'm not sitting here saying that because I'm some sort of like, um, uh, mystic Meg. I'm sitting here saying that because, that was such a quintessential West Bromwich Albion under Carlos Corbran performance. And Carlos will have obviously had a game plan, as he does every week. And we executed it to absolute perfection, didn't we?
0: Yeah, there's not much... Well, I don't think there's any negatives you can give about it. We i mean completely dominated the game, completely nullified Ipswich and made them look a lot more like a team that's just come up from League One than the team that they really have been this season that are top two. So um, I think... Yeah, that's basically the highest credit you can have. And we were just, well, almost perfect in a lot of aspects of the game in terms of the counter attack that we scored on, even just like positional attacks and set pieces as well that we got a goal from, which is always nice. So like I said, I don't think there's really any negatives you can give about it.
1: And let's just have a look at some of the numbers around it, Pete, because I think it's it's very easy when when we dominate a game and let's be honest that's what that's what we did we scored early but then we we absolutely bossed the game against Ipswich from that point on they had zero shots on target in the entire match and we we had all the better chances even in the first half where Ipswich were dominating possession but they weren't doing anything with it they they had a pathetic call for a penalty after a horrendous dive by Davis. I don't know what he was thinking because if he, if he, if he stays on his feet, he, he gets his shot away and uh, they didn't do anything in that game. And yet, whilst we let them have a lot of the ball, we had the better chances. You look at uh, Brandon Thomas Asante's uh, shot from, uh, from range. He obviously had the header, which I think leads to the corner, which we, which we actually score from early doors. We had, a, we had a few little chances and i think it's easy when we dominate a game like that to say oh you know they weren't that good i think it's it's almost like a it's like a football fan negative mindset that that you that you you don't necessarily assume your team was all that you you just assume that there was something poor about the opposition so let me just dispel that as any sort of a myth if anybody out there is thinking that that what you know we we beat a Underperforming or understrength Ipswich side in any way, shape, or form, or that this Ipswich side are not all they're, they're cracked up to uh, c- cracked up to be. Let me put this into perspective. Ipswich have scored thirty six goals in the league so far this season. That is the most in the league. Everybody's banging on about Leicester. Ipswich have scored five more goals than them. They have an average XG per game of one point seven seven, which is the equal most, and they average five point nine shots per on target per ninety minute. To put that into perspective, obviously thirty-six goals scored. They didn't score any yesterday. They had an XG of naught point two, 0.11 of that came in the nin- in the ninetieth minute scramble. So over the over the nine over the eighty-nine minutes of the game, Ipswich had an XG of naught point zero nine. They their average XG is one point seven seven this season. So it's the way we nullified them. Nobody does this to Ipswich. Absolutely nobody does this to Ipswich. They had zero shots on target. They average six per game. Pete, nobody does this to Ipswich. Nobody, no, nobody sets up against Ipswich and just shuts them down completely. But we, we did, and I don't think it's overstretching the mark at this point. To say that since Carlos Corbran came out and said after the Huddersfield game, I've had enough of us conceding two goals per game, that we have been the best defensive team in the championship.
0: It's difficult to argue with that, especially after you just shut out one of the best attacking teams in the championship and limited them to a total of six shots and three of them from outside the area as well. So, yeah, Corbran's kind of, well, he has got us back to. The defensive stability that we had when he first came in, and we went on that really good run, um, especially at the Hawthorn, Hawthorns where we weren't conceding. But yeah, right now it's we're really solid at the back, but we're scoring goals as well. And it's I suppose being solid at the back is the difference between what we've been doing now and what we were like at the start of the season when we were conceding too many goals. And now we've got that defensive stability. We're, we're starting to move up the league as well because we're picking up picking up wins where maybe before we'd have got draws and or even lost the game so everything seems to be built upon keeping it solid at the back but it's not like we're a defensive side where we're not going to score goals as well we, are, we we do attack as well when the, the moment's right but with protection behind the ball as well to to prevent any counter-attacks coming our way
1: that's the point isn't it we're not defensive we're organized and it was interesting because when I went through the when I went through the data I kind of thought I kind of expected us to um there the, to be a lot of defen- uh, defensive data because the thing the thing about data is I, I was i was actually chatting to uh to a pal of mine who, uh, who who works in the football industry and spends a lot of time using the data he used to be a performance analyst he's now in player recruitment and he was he was saying to me look there's a big difference between technical data and physical data and what we have access to what we get to look at is technical data and what technical data basically is is it um it it counts um the the it only counts the stuff that players do on the ball so which is which is about 3% of what a player does on a football field so whilst you can tell a lot about what a player does on a, the ball from the data you can't tell much else so you, you only i know that 3% is probably one of the more significant 3% in the game i'm not saying that the, the data is useless i'd be it be like turkey's voting for christmas me saying that but i what i'm what i'm saying is that there is 97% of a player's game is not tracked by the data at the at the moment not at the not at the sort of level that we're able to look at it clubs do because they have GPS data and they have um uh, and they have heart rate monitors and things like that so they get the physical data and they understand what what is happening off the ball my mate was telling me that the next big step in data will be that there are companies working to give people that kind of kind of data so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what comes next and I think in a few years time we will have access to that but at the moment, what we have to look at is basically three percent of the game, which is the stuff that players do on the ball, and actually, what players do off the ball is massively significant. So, actually, if you look at Albion's defensive data, well, there's not a lot of it from uh, from Ipswich because we didn't we didn't make that many tackles for a start. I mean, we uh, I was interested to see this in our final third, Pete. We made four tackles in in our defensive third. In the entire ninety minutes of the game, now to put that in perspective, against Coventry we made we made seventeen, and that was a that was a game where we we scored early. So it's a, it's a valid comparison. They're also a very front foot attacking team as Ipswich are, and Coventry we we had to make seventeen tackles in our final third. We made four in the whole game yesterday against Ipswich. So there's actually not a lot of defensive data out there, but the reason for that is because the, the organization and the discipline of the players and the understanding of what Carlos Corbran is asking them to do is nothing short of staggering. And the level of coaching that these players are getting, and it's, it's very easy to, well, it's not easy to understand, understand football, but it's easier to understand football than it is, to be able to explain that understanding of football in a way that players can understand themselves and execute en masse together. Because you're not just trying to get one in 11 individuals to execute a plan. You're trying to get 11 players as a group to execute a plan in tandem and effectively... In that, especially when you're playing the kind of organised, disciplined football that we play, if one player in that el- at that 11 fails, the whole thing fails. So Corbran, it's unbelievable that he can get these players to execute this plan to such perfection that we nullify the most dangerous attacking team in the league and they are that there is no doubting that they've scored the most most goals they have the most shots they create the most xg and we nullify them to next to nothing and the reason and and then equally in that we don't make a lot of tackles we don't make a lot of blocks we don't make an excessively large amount of clearances either they just Couldn't find a way through us, Pete, because we were so unbelievably organized. And as you say, on top of that, not only are we so organized and disciplined that they can't get through us, but then we have a threat where we can leap and we can break when the opportunity arises or we can make the most of a set play because we're organized at those as well. And it wasn't just the goal where we, where, where we leapt and we broke on them. There was a number of occasions where we, where we had chances. Obviously, Matt Phillips has put one, put one wide. That you know, uh, It's very rare that I, prob- I, I say I think I might have scored that one, but I do think I might have scored that one. He's having a brilliant season, Matt Phillips, but I think he'll have a couple of nightmares about that one for, for a week or so. But, you know, we created chances outside of the two goals that we scored and we were well worth the two goals that we scored we created 1.6 xg over the whole game actually uh, th- certainly the uh the first goal in particular was one of the lower xg chances we created so we did a few things pete we were so organized and we uh, and we uh, and we shut them down without having to actually make a lot of defensive actions and then we carried a threat going the other way and i think it's i think it's sometimes it is easy to underestimate how incredibly difficult that is to do.
0: It's not always easy to um, quantify a defensive performance just with the numbers, because like you say, just because you make more tackles doesn't necessarily mean you've um, defended well. But the fact that we didn't concede, we conceded very few chances and very low quality chances as well, tells you that we were very solid defensively. Um, And the fact that there's not many tackles um, probably tells you that it's, more down to organisation than actual, um, maybe individual defending. It was more defending as a team and having that shape and not allowing them space where they want space and just preventing them having chances that way rather than taking the ball off them every time. But I think on the whole, over the season so far, the fifth lowest for expected goals against. Um, so you could say we've got the, the fifth best defence in that respect because, you know, that, that quantifies... Actual quality chances conceded, rather than just number of shots conceded or goals conceded or whatever. But yeah, either way. But it but we're... it'd
1: be interesting to see if if you just if you just took out the games up to Huddersfield, if you took them out of that, Pete. I I can't say this for certain, but I, I would imagine we're probably some way a- ahead of everybody else after that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could well be. I think Leicester are currently currently top. Probably unsurprisingly, they're probably top of most metrics. But by quite quite a distance. But apart from that, yeah, if we take out the first few games where we weren't as solid, then you probably move a little bit further up the table. But as well as being solid defensively, we've got a good keeper behind them as well. So if there are chances, then you maybe got a slightly better chance. If the opposition does get a, a shot, then you might have a slightly better chance of not conceding because you've got Alex Palmer behind the defence when he's actually needed. Um, it wasn't really needed too much against Ipswich, but. Then that's the credit to the defence to stopping Ipswich from really testing Palmer. Um, so yeah, the defence has been one of the real positives. But as we keep saying, it's we're not um, substituting, we're not making our attack any worse because we're solid at defending. We're defending and we're, we're attacking well when we when we do decide to go forward.
1: And we don't make many mistakes either, Pete if if you take brandon thomas asante out of it because you would expect your center forward to get uh, to get dispossessed quite a lot because the furthest player up the pitch the the number 9 we were only dispossessed twice in that entire match, once you take Brandon out of it, which I, I think is a fair thing to do, because as I say, the number nine, it's not a, it's not particularly a negative to be to be getting dispossessed from time to time, because they're especially when they're a lone striker, you're up there on on your own, you're trying to hold the ball up, um, or you're trying to make things happen, you're going to lose the ball more more, uh, more than most people. We were actually only dispossessed twice outside of uh, outside of Brandon, and one of those was Jed Wallace. So again, a player that plays very high up the field, and the other one was Jai, which suggests to me that given how late in the game he came on, that that happened extremely late in the game, and actually was probably one of the the cantering runs that he made forward, where he he, he obviously fancied himself as a as a right winger at, at points in in that game. We don't again, it's something we highlighted after. A few games last season. I can't exact I can't remember exactly which podcast it was, but w- we were basically saying that we 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 made an error leading to a chance or a shot almost once a game uh, in the first four or five games of uh, of the season. And actually, we were one the highest in the division for the amount of errors that that, that we made doing that. N- not only have we cut those out almost almost completely I think we've made I think we've made maybe uh, two since then since the since again the Huddersfield game but also we we're just not making the more minor errors are are we we're not we're not getting dispossessed in areas where you wouldn't want us to be dispossessed where it can be dangerous to us we're only really you know we're only losing the ball in areas of the pitch where it doesn't matter quite as much that we that we do lose the ball
0: yeah, cutting out those errors is huge, and it probably also helps having such people with such secure possession in midfield, like Alex Mo. He almost never loses the ball, um, and even when we're, we're trying to break forward quickly, we don't tend to make too many mistakes when going forward quickly and counter-attacking, which is obviously maybe a bit easier to make mistakes because everything's a bit more unsettled and hectic, and not as just kind of position position based as. As it would be in just regular possession, um, and I think it's something that we've improved on quite a bit compared to previous seasons. Is that we we seem a bit more clinical with our counter attacks and making the correct distance and I'm sure we'll talk about the goal, the goal, of the second goal in a bit, but that was just the whole counter attack was just executed to perfection. And in previous seasons, I think we probably would have chose the wrong pass or picked the wrong picked the pass at the wrong time or even waited it. With the with the wrong weight, so I think just improving on that kind of efficiency when you're actually counterattacking and generating more chances when you do counterattack is really important because you can have a lot of counterattacks, but if you you're poor at it and you make the wrong decisions or you're not clinical enough with it and you don't generate good chances from it, then it's it's pointless. But we're getting we're getting chances to counterattack and we're being clinical and, and creating shots from it.
1: As you say, we will come to the the goal and the goals, in fact, in in, in just in just a moment. Um, but before we do, Pete, I just want to finish up on this uh, on, on, on this point around um, Ipswich and how what we achieved on Saturday night to completely nullify them was just such an unbelievable achievement. And, you know, how I like to throw a little quiz at you from from time to time. So I've got a, I've got a couple of questions for you now you uh, i've already stated uh, that ipswich have have scored in ev- have had scored in every game this season so when was the last time ipswich didn't score in a game
0: i would guess because it was mentioned either on commentary or um after the game valentine's day
1: correct yes it was valentine's day against uh, against bristol rovers they drew nil nil so that was uh, that was the last time we we're basically going back 10 months to find the last time Ipswich didn't didn't score a goal and interestingly when was the last time Ipswich had zero shots on target in a game
0: well I guess it's not the same the same date but it's got to be a bit further back then a year ago november last year
1: january 29th of january 2022 was the last time they had zero shots on target in a game which was against Sheffield Wednesday uh, they lost 1-0 and that was about a month into the Kieran McKenna reign so you can I think it's fair to assume that Kieran McKenna was still probably getting his ideas into the into the players at that point and probably getting them to understand the way that he wants them to play that is the only time in the entire Kieran McKenna reign at Ipswich that Ipswich town have played a game and not had a shot on target other than against us on Saturday Kieran McKenna plays his football a certain way and it 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 involves creating a heck of a lot of chances creating a very high xg having an awful lot of shots and we we nullified that and like i say we, we it it's nearly it's almost almost 2 years since a team had uh, stopped them having a single shot on target and yet we did it on saturday it's just it's staggering isn't
0: it yeah there's... That's make it even more impressive. Um well, we knew it was impressive just on the numbers for them to have not had a game where they haven't had a shot on target for what well, a year, isn't it? Um almost two years, if my maths is right. Um it just makes it even more impressive that to the extent that we nullified them and, and really kind of well, we made it I mean, the defence made it look easy to be honest. We never really looked troubled by Ipswich and yeah, it's just it's huge credit to be able to do that when they've been one of, if not the best, attacking side in the division so far. Um, so I think yeah, the defence and core running the coaches who set up the the defence deserve huge credit for that.
1: And then of course we carried a threat going the other way. And I'm, I'm almost going to do this in a back to front fashion, Pete, because you've you've already mentioned the second goal. So let's kind of let's kind of talk about that because in in a funny sort of a way it was two goals from corners it's just <laughs> one of them wasn't our corner but um but the the the, the second goal i just think it is it's the quintessential West Bromwich Albion goal. It, it 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 feels it felt very similar to the second goal we scored against Hull, uh, which was just a gorgeous, gorgeous goal. And people were people, everyone was uh, clipping it up, putting it on their social media, and saying, you know, if this was in the Premier League, you'd never hear the end of this. If the, if if this was Manchester City, people would be saying it's world class football. Well, I tell you what, if as good as that goal was against Hull. This this is up there with it, and and everything about it, Pete. Because I but I want to pick out the the contributions of, of of a few players, and I want to start with the very start of the move because I think this will I think this will fly under the radar um for for a few people, but if you're listening to this and you've you've kind of got you've kind of got access um to 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 hop onto YouTube whilst whilst I'm talking. I do want it after I've just told you this, just pause the, the pod and just go and quickly watch the goal back again, because I think it's going to fly under the radar a little bit for a lot of people. Connor Townsend's part in that goal because there is, there's a shot by, I think it's Sam Morsey, the ball comes out to from, from the corner and he takes a, a, a bit of a pot shot from, from range. It deflects up in the air and it's on the edge of our 18 yard box that it goes up in the air. Now, most players in that position clear it, and by clear it, I mean let's not worry about where it's going to go let's just get it away from our penalty area let's um that let, you know let's let's get it wide into non dangerous areas that's not what Connor Townsend does. Connor Townsend takes a lovely first touch to control the ball. And then plays a brilliant pass into the feet of Jed Wallace. And when we were chatting about this off air, Pete, you made a great point. Probably picks the player that he could get the ball to that was the furthest upfield, and gets uh, and gets the move going, and gets our counter attack going. And it's just so important because if you are a counter attacking team, if you turn up opportunities like that to turn the ball over and get and and get going again in an attacking sense, then. You're not really going to have much threat are you because because if you do launch the ball into the channels, if you do launch it clear in those situations then where when you're a counter attacking team like we are then how you know how are you going to generate your threat so you need your your defenders in those situations where there's an opportunity to turn the ball over to be able to be calm to be able to take a touch, be able to get the ball going into a forward area and that's exactly what connor townsend does in that moment and i as i say i really do think it will fly under the radar for a lot of people and i like i say if you if you're thinking oh i didn't spot that i do urge you to just go and have a look at it again the club have put the the highlights up on youtube because connor townsend's contribution to that goal as much as what happens next is absolutely brilliant that goal does not happen without connor townsend's coolness calmness and also, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, what a brilliant passer of the ball Connor Townsend is. And again, I think it gets underrated. And if he doesn't play that ball absolutely perfectly, we do not score that goal.
0: And Not only does play it play perfectly into the perfect player because he Jed was, like you said, the furthest forward that he probably could have picked out. And therefore, you know, if you can pick out furthest player forward, you're going to move the counter-attack on quickly. Um, but he picked out with his right foot as well, which I thought was even more impressive because... I think, to be fair to him, he's, he's quite a one-footed player. He's, it's quite rare that you see him use his right foot, but I don't think he had the time to change the shape of his body and, and get it onto his left foot to play it on his left, so he took it on his right and he picked it out of perfection. Um, but I think that's, that's not the only aspect of the goal that might go unnoticed. I think Matt Phillips, despite not having any real involvement in the actual goal, serves a bit of credit because, well, as well as the other three players that were involved with the counter-attack, was sprinting forward as soon as that ball got played by Townsend and overtook one or two switch players to get forward to make it a 4v2. And despite not having the ball actually play to him and not touching it in build up to the goal at all, he still made an impact because it gives the defenders another another player to think about it. it you know, they can't just defend one side. Jed had got options to play it left or right and it just puts a bit more doubt in the defenders' minds and changes the positions that they can take up. So, it, yeah, it might go unnoticed, but the speed that he got forward and the desire to get forward from not only him, but Brandon and Jed and Grady as well, is so key to getting that goal because a lot of the time players can go forward a bit lethargically and, and not really put the full effort to get in. But yeah, Phillips especially just got from our defensive box up to their um, up to their box really quickly and you could see the, his desire to get forward, which I think is, is really impressive.
1: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. Our participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Jed Wallace's contribution in that goal will not go unnoticed, Pete, but it might be understated a little bit how brilliant it is. I mean, obviously, the driving run is fantastic. And, uh, you know, the way the way he carries the ball is fantastic. The experience, the knowledge to know when to release that ball. But the big thing for me with Jed in that goal is is this. I don't think many players have the football intelligence to realize that you that you shouldn't play the ball directly to Grady in that situation i think most players in the situation that jed found himself in try to play the ball directly to grady dingana they i don't think many players realize that you need the in that situation you needed an extra player to touch the ball to create the angle to get the ball as cleanly as, and, and as safely as possible to Grady Garner, And I think the intelligence of Jed Wallace to realise that he needed to bring Brandon Thomas Asante into that move to create the angle for the pass. And by the way, Brandon waits it to perfection to Grady Garner, and then Grady, we'll talk about his finish in just a second because there's uh, there's a point that we chatted about off air that I want to that I want to I want to mention about uh, about Grady uh, and his finish. But and and I'm not playing down Brandon's part in it because, as I say, the 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 weight of the ball to to Grady is as perfect a, a ball from Brandon as you're likely to see. But I don't think many players have the intellig- would have the intelligence to even involve Brandon in that move and create that angle, I think most players would try and play it directly to to Grady and therefore we probably wouldn't score that goal.
0: Yeah, because by playing it to Brandon, it just kind of draws that defender out to Brandon it stops him running backwards as much and changes his kind of direction of his run. So he's going to attack the ball at Brandon rather than just running towards his goal and then it opens up more space for that pass to be played from Brandon into Grady. Like you say, I think if it had gone straight to Grady, then it might have just killed the counter attack and the defender would have been able to push Grady a lot wider. And we may not have created the chance, but by taking that extra pass, you allow Brandon to just take the defender out of the game after he plays that pass straight to Grady afterwards. Um, so it was really intelligent from, from Jed Wallace to play that that really short and really, yeah, it, it, on the face of it, doesn't really look like much of an important pass. He passes about. Three or four yards, but it's such a key pass to actually open up the space for Grady, and then we eventually scored the goal from it. So it was yeah, a really intelligent play from him.
1: We'll come back to Jed in just a moment because he, for me, he was comfortably the best player on the park. I thought he was absolutely unbelievable, and um, I was not shocked that he was handed the the, the man of the match, uh, the player of the match award um, uh, by the broadcasters at all. I thought he he was absolutely incredible. So we'll come back to him in just a second. But just on Grady's finish, Pete, we were chatting about this off air. Obviously, I mean, I was right behind it in the Birmingham Road end, and there was there was it was one of those moments. I think um, Jed said in his post match interview, it took an age to go in, and it did feel like that when you were behind the goal that um, it it kissed the post, and you just thought, where is this going to go? Oh no, is this is is it going to go in? What's it going to do? But actually, when you watch it back, you shouldn't. We shouldn't have worried, because actually, Grady's finish is so perfect that even if it takes the wrong bounce off the post and comes out at um, uh, to to the right hand side um, at, from the post point of view, then you've got Phillips and Wallace running in. To tap it in, and if it comes out to the left-hand side from the post point of view, then it has got. Then it's you. Grady has followed his own shot in. So, in actual fact, the only way Grady could have missed that, other than obviously missing the goal in its entirety, is if he'd allowed the goalkeeper to save it. And I think I, I give Grady enough credit because I think he's a technically brilliant enough player to know that it it was better. To hit the post and take that risk, than to give the goalkeeper a chance, and I, uh, I think there's so there's such a tiny area where he can put that ball, and it beat Hladke. and he does it to absolute perfection. As I say, that I realise why everybody was talking about the 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 the, the wonderful wonderful nature of the, of the whole city goal, the second goal, and it you know there was a, it was a brilliant brilliant goal. Actually, the more I watch our second goal against Ipswich, I think that there are so many moments in that goal from Connor making a decision on the edge of his uh, on the edge of his own box, which I don't think many players make. Then Jed making a decision on the edge uh, on on the edge of their box, which I don't think many players make. And To Brandon waiting a pass to utter perfection that I don't think many players would, would be able to do. To Grady placing the shot with such utter perfection where it's the only place he can put it and beat, uh, and beat the goalkeeper and the ball still go in the back of the net. I just think the, the amount of areas where that goal could have gone wrong and yet players did the one thing to perfection that they needed to do in that moment for it to be scored. I think it's a better goal than the whole one and I loved the whole goal. I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful team goal. I think that I think the the second goal against Ipswich is even better, Pete.
0: Yeah, it was almost a perfect counter attack. Just everything everyone that was involved with it executed their roles to perfection. Um and it's a goal that we I'm almost certain we wouldn't have scored twelve months ago because like I say in previous season we just we just haven't been clinical enough when we counter attacking. We haven't picked the right pass. We wouldn't have played that extra pass that allows Brandon to then play the the straight pass through to Grady rather than just playing a a horizontal sideways pass to Grady. We wouldn't have played that extra pass that allows that to happen Um, and I'm sure one of the passes would have been mishit, overweighted, underweighted, something wouldn't have gone wrong because previously we just hadn't been good enough when we had got opportunities to counter-attack. I think it's something that Corbrand's really worked on with the squad and I think against Ipswich we got we got the rewards for that.
1: Just going back to Jed, my man of the match by a country mile P. I thought he was I, I thought he was phenomenal. And Look, he's had to put up with some stick. I, uh, we, I've already said on this podcast. I think much of it was uh, has been highly unjustified. I think he's been a guy learning a new uh, a new position. He's had to go from playing in a position where you only really have to wor- worry about 180 degrees because uh, because obviously you've got the touchline to protect you on the on the other side to a position where he's got to worry about 360 degrees and do uh, and and be and be checking both shoulders, be aware of everything that's around him, and and do things that he he's just not used to uh, used to doing really and i think he's adapted i think it's taken him a bit of time i uh, there was there was a point earlier in the season where you and i said look if if he can't if he can't improve these these performances then you know he probably does need to come out the team but in all fairness since since we said that and like, I don't I'm not taking any credit for it I'm not saying it's because we did say that but since we've said that his performances have improved markedly i think the goal away at watford really i think you you saw his reaction to it and uh, and the way he celebrated it. it was like like a weight got lifted off his uh, off his shoulders there was just this outpouring of emotion from him and i think i think that goal really really helped him a great deal but i think just generally he has uh, I think he's grown into that position and now he's contributing in such a massive way in games. And on Saturday he had seven shot creating actions to put that into perspective. That's comfortably the most uh, of any player on the pitch, but we only had 10 shots in total. So Jed, Created seven of them, which is absolutely fantastic. You know, he had this uh, highest expe- expected assists. He had the most successful take on, so he's beating his man. Um, he reg- he also received the most progressive passes as well. So he's picking up the ball in dangerous areas. I, I I and I think I think it's time for maybe maybe just maybe a few of the a few of the boo boys, a few of the the, the knockers, a few of the, the the people that have been on his back. To maybe just hold their hand up and go, I wasn't patient enough with Jed, because the guy has had to learn something completely new. He's had to learn a new role that he has never really played before in his in his career, and it's took him a little bit of time. But I tell you what, what you're seeing from Jed Wallace is the consummate professional, where he has clearly put the work in day in day out on on the training field to understand and learn what Corbran has. Wanted him to do. He hasn't sulked. He hasn't thrown his toys out the pram. He hasn't kind of gone. Well, look, I was brought here to play wide on the right, and now you're asking me to not do that. So you know what's what the heck, gaffer? You know what what what's it? and then, and do you know what? There are players that would have done that. I'm telling you right now, there are players that would have had that attitude that this isn't fair. That I was brought in to play a particular role, and now I'm not getting to play it. I'm not getting to play to my strengths. You uh, there would have been there would have been players. Who would have pointed the finger at the manager and said, you are making me look bad and would have blamed other people because they would have said, if you play me in the way that I'm supposed to be played, I look good and you are making me look bad. But Jed has never viewed it like that. He has viewed it that there is a job that needs to be done for the team. He's never worried about his own ego. He's never worried about how... whether it reflects badly on him that he's trying to learn a new position and I do think people were not patient enough with him and now what we're seeing from him is I'm so glad he's making the people that got on his back eat their words with performances like that because I got so much respect for somebody because what we wanted we we talked about Bad attitudes in this squad we talked for years we talked about uh, we we talked about that our players don 't have the right mentality. How many times have we said that on this pod Pete and Jed Wallace is made of the right stuff he 's the kind of player we need at this football club going forward he 's the kind of player that when we were moaning through for the last two years on this very podcast about the players, Jed Wallace was the kind of guy that we needed, not some of the other ones. And I don't understand why he's had to put up with some of the things he's had to put up with just because he's had to learn how to do a new skill. You know, if if you went, if you and your job were asked to do something completely different that you've never learned before, you would expect patience from those around you whilst you learned that. You wouldn't expect people to think, well, why has he not got it straight away? But that's that was what people thought about Jed Wallace. They didn't understand why he didn't just click and get it the first second and I don't I I, I think people again just from time to time need to take a step back and realise that footballers are human beings and that when you're asked to do something new it takes a little bit of time but my goodness me Pete has he got it now and I just think I just think he as I say for me he's the consummate professional I'm so pleased that we've got him as part of our squad and I think what we're what we're seeing is the results of a lot of hard work from Jed Wallace to learn a position that he wasn't that familiar with and I think that, that we are that he is reaping the dividends of that hard work now.
0: Yeah, it was always going to be difficult for him to move into a new position um and go from being a an hour and out winger to playing a bit more central. But I thought it was interesting that um against Ipswich it was probably the first game this season that he's been tasked with playing as an actual a winger. It's the widest he's played all season. Um, looking at the the kind of width, um, of his where he's played passes from, then his kind of coordinate of it is is seventy one out of a width of eighty. So he was playing seventy one yards left of uh, to the right of the the left touchline, if that makes sense. Seventy so nine yards from the, the right touch, so playing like a winger basically. Um, and that's the widest he's played all season. So I don't think that's too much of a surprise or a coincidence that. It's coincided with his best performance because he was able to put crosses into the box from out there and he's um, more used to receiving the ball out there than he is in the kind of number 10 position. So I think that slight change is moving him from central to, to out wide for a game. has um, really helped Jed in his performance and he deservedly got man of the match. I think it'll be interesting whether Corbrand keeps doing it or whether it was a tactical change for that particular game where he wanted... Grady to be more of the 10 and, and Jed to play out wide. Um, I can't say a, I have a reason for why he would choose to do that in just one individual game, but maybe him and his team have seen something that he thought would have most beneficial to have Jed out wide rather than Grady. Um, And, you know, whatever the reason it was for it, it clearly worked because it was a really convincing performance from the whole team and especially from Jed Wallace who definitely benefited from being back in his more natural position. But even though, saying that, even though he he was playing a lot wider, um, I think in recent weeks he's definitely improved and is starting to show more of the form that he showed when we first brought him in, despite playing in, generally playing a lot more central than he's used to. Um, So it's getting to a point where he he seems to be getting comfortable with that central position, but also the one game that he's put out on the right, he puts in a a man-of-the-match performance and probably his best performance of the season. So it'll be interesting to see what, what Carlos does in the next couple of fixtures.
1: As I said uh, a moment ago, as well, my, 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 love for Jed goes uh, beyond what he's doing on the pitch as well, Pete, because I think he contributes much more than that. As I say, I I think, I think the exact words I used a moment ago were he's, he's made of the right stuff. And I I honestly believe that. I mean, you you saw a little moment of that in the post-match interview where uh, he gave away his, um, his player of the match trophy to, uh, to a young boy. Um, And I thought that was, that was a lovely moment. And, every time I, I i hear from jed every time every time he speaks i just think he is a huge part of this why this group is so together and just to sort of flesh that point out i th- uh, you know corbran has got to take enormous credit here because as i say I, I i i have felt that this you know i have no inside knowledge of what 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 things are like around the training ground but it didn't seem a terribly together group all of uh, all of the time sometimes that was to do with the manager and him splintering the group you know uh, valerian ishmael fell out with uh, with with various players and and stuff uh, and stuff like that i mean that's that's one of the things corbrand doesn't you know we can't know this for sure but he doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to have uh, have falling out with players i mean he's not wasting players uh, uh, by completely bombing them out like for example Valerian Ishmael did with Shemi Ajayi and basically said you're not going to be involved ever. I think we've obviously had um, points where contracts have run down, and I think we've managed to get some players out the door just before people start speculating and thinking I'm pe- speaking about people like Jake Livermore. I'm not because I, I from what I hear, uh, Jake was a was a really good character around the group, but I'm thinking more people like who sat around not earning their money and um, uh, like like Ken Zahor. I'm I'm not necessarily sure people like Callum Robinson and Carlin Grant, whilst extremely talented footballers in their own right, but definitely not players who contributed to the wider team in a in, in a huge way, were particularly good for the overall atmosphere around the group. And I just feel like when I when I watch stuff on social media, like for example the Albion Boys, which has been such a brilliant addition to the club's social media output and if you haven't watched it i urge you to go and do it because it's it's fun it's quirky it's relaxed it's and you just get a real feel for how together this group is but the clip that really spoke to me in the week was um and again i'm sure many people have, have already seen this but Martin Kelly returned to the training field from, from injury. Obviously got that horrendous injury on loan, at, uh, on loan at Wigan, just a couple of games into his, his spell at, uh, at, at Wigan last season. And. I mean, there must have been questions given Martin Kelly's injury record as to whether he'd ever play again, to be honest, because you've got to you've got to beg those questions when a player is the age that he is and has had the injury record that he's had. But he got himself back on the training field last week for the first time. And as he came out to train, the lads had lined up in a guard of honour and applauded him onto the training field. And I thought that doesn't happen if this group isn't all together and all pulling together, that's the sort of thing that that, it might be just a little thing, but it takes thought. It takes care for players to think to do that. People don't that these things don't just happen. They happen because people think we want to make Martin feel special today. And I just think there's such a brilliant togetherness. It seems like, Corbrand has created a brilliant atmosphere at the training ground, where everybody seems to be happy. And even with all the off the pitch stuff going on, even with so much uncertainty around the ownership, the finances, you know, where genuinely what, what's going to happen in January? What's if if we if we do get beyond January and can hang on to the players? If if a takeover hasn't happened by the end of the season, what happens to the club? These players. None of that seems, Corbrand seems to have just been able to shield them from all of that. And I think that's fantastic. And I do think Jed as the captain, the amount of times he gets mentioned on the Albion boys for the kind of diligent work he does as captain, off the pitch now I'm talking about, not on the pitch. He does a lot of work on the pitch, but off the pitch. And... I, I think he's a huge, huge part of that, Pete. I really do. I think I think Corbran and his staff have to take an enormous amount of credit for the way they've managed to shield the players from what's going on off the pitch and create this togetherness and atmosphere at the training ground. And, but I think Jed as captain plays into it massively, and I don't think we could have anyone better wearing the armband at this moment in time.
0: Yeah, he's brilliant and what he off, does off the pitch and... What offers in the dressing room, from what you hear, um, yeah, the the little interview and the at the end of the game where he won the player of the match award. Um, I think that kind of just highlights the kind of character that he is, and I think we're very lucky as a club to have people like him around and to have him as captain because um, he just seems like a a great a great bloke to have around. And um, like you say, with all the little features that the Albion accounts putting out is. It seems to be a really well knit dressing room which yeah, I mean it can only help performances on the pitch and everyone seems to be like you say Cole Brandon seems to be falling out of anyone. Um everyone's involved, like even if it's uh in a big or a small way, um and everyone seems to be happy to be involved and it's kind of kind of the you don't get the feeling that anyone's complaining about the kind of position or situation that they're in. Um, even Jason Malumby's player of the season last year, but hasn't seen too much, too many minutes this season or too many starts. And but every time that he comes on, um, he's given it a hundred percent as you'd probably expect to Jason him. but he doesn't appear to be sulking at all that he's not starting games. Um, and nor does anyone else. So uh, the atmosphere and the dress in the dressing room that we've got at the minute just seems to be really good. And hopefully that can continue. Even if we do go on a, a little poor on a form, um, and i think it will because even at the start of the season we weren't we weren't p- picking up results every game we conceded more goals but you still got the sense of the the atmosphere in the dressing room being good so yeah hopefully that can continue because the better the dressing room is the the easier it is to win games i think
1: yeah, Jason Molumby, um definitely correct uh, attitude uh, in and around his football. Although uh, having watched uh, all of the Albion boys, uh, he doesn't seem to have the correct attitude when it comes to putting his uh, hand in his pocket to pay for the coffees. Uh, he's, uh, I think I think he's I think he's a hundred percent record of of being called out as the uh, as the tightest member of the squad by pretty much everybody who's done the Albion boys. Um, but the other thing that I just wanted to highlight from Jed's post match interview was um, they they. they I asked him about the the first goal and he said uh that it, it, i'm not going to quote him verbatim here but uh, but it, it was it was words along the uh, along the line of yet yeah, we we um we we decided we weren't happy with that side of our game that we're not scoring enough goals from from set plays so we um uh, we, the, the, I think he said the gaffer had us watching corner kicks, videos of corner kicks throughout the whole of the international break. And it's it's just so interesting when he says something like that. That you know, we scored from our first one within within five minutes, and I think you and I again were chatting about this off air, Pete, and we 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 were highlighting the fact that that exact sort of goal, that near post run and the flick header from Darnell Furlong, is something that he used to do quite a bit. I remember him scoring one against Brentford the season we went up under under Billich, but he had a he had a number of um, number of sort of efforts as well where he made that same run got the uh, got the got the flick header um some of them went in some of them didn't but he hasn't done that for for a while and Jed's right. You know, we haven't we haven't made the most of our set, set pieces. I do think it's an area that gets overrated by uh, by people because the average for, uh, for for scoring from corner kicks is actually one uh, one goal in every four, fifty corner kicks. So I think people don't realise that and sometimes go, oh, we've we've only scored a couple of goals from uh, from corners this season and uh, you know, we've had like eighty, and it's like actually we're we're, we're <laughs> probably above the average for for scoring from from corner kicks if that's if we've scored two. and we've We've had eighty odd corner kicks, but nonetheless, it's interesting that Carlos again just looking for those small margins, looking for those those gains, and it and it seems just a regular thing in post match interviews when players speak after the game and and you, and they talk about something that happened in the match or they're asked about something that happened in the match, and so often the player comes out with. Yeah, it's something I've been working on this week or it's something that the gaffer was showing me or it's something that I sat down with Heff over because it seems like Michael is at at the heart of a lot of this stuff as well. He seems a a really, really important staff member for us. He seems to play a really big role um, because he gets name-checked quite a lot by the players. And uh, I mean, from what I hear, he's a great guy and really great around the place and and very good for morale, which could, again, lead into the previous point about about atmosphere. But it, it just comes back, and back and back to this point, Pete, doesn't it? That nothing, nothing under Carlos Corbran seems to happen by accident. And our first goal after just five minutes, which, you know, and I said on talking town, I said the exact words, you don't want to let us score first. So the fact for us to get that goal against Ipswich was just absolutely massive inside five minutes. And it doesn't happen by accident. We've we've we, we've worked on it and worked on it, and worked on it for two weeks. And Lo and behold, it comes off inside five minutes. Nothing happens by accident under Corbrand, does it?
0: No, and he, I mean, he talked in the post-match um, interview that we just need to basically not improve, I can't remember his exact words, but basically the, the more um, kind of aspects in the game that we can get better at, the more likely we're going to um, win games, and that's in defending um, in positional attacks and just in possession in, um, counter attacks and set pieces, um, and corners. And he said that a lot of work goes into it. And it's, yeah, like you say, it's not, it's not a high rate of scoring from corner kicks, but if you can improve that rate, um, work on it hard so that you're bombing above the average, then, you know, the, the actual goals are worth a a lot because, um, you know, you don't get many goals in a game. So if you can improve that rate above average, then it, it's really um, worth putting the work in on the training ground to, to kind of improve those set pieces. And it's why a lot of clubs are, have or are hiring set piece coaches um, because the cost of having a set piece coach is very little compared to the actual rewards of scoring more goals from your set pieces. Um, I can't remember how much there's a, a stat for how much a goal is worth in the Premier League and it's I think something like a million pounds or something each goal is essentially worth that you know just based on where you are going to finish in the league if you score more goals but yeah I mean the point I'm making is that if you work on the set pieces or have the set piece coaches in then just adding two goals three goals more a season because of that work you're putting in is worth a lot of time a lot of money and a lot of time so it's it's really important to to put the work in on the training ground and, and like you say the core was obviously working with that working on that over the international break. And it just to, it seems to have um, come to fruition straight away in the first fixture, well, within the first five minutes. So hopefully we can see us put a few more set pieces away because under Huddersfield, it was such an important important way for them to score goals whilst Colbran was at Huddersfield. So I think if we can increase those numbers there, then like Colbran says, it's only going to improve our chances of winning in each game.
1: Obviously, a great ball in by Matt Phillips for the for the goal, and an absolutely fantastic header by by Darnell Furlong. And as I say, not the not the first time we've seen him make that run and, and and make that header. And just a word on on Darnell Furlong, Pete, because I didn't think it was it wasn't just the goal for me. I thought he was. I mean, so many were absolutely brilliant in in that game uh, against Ipswich Town, but so it it almost feels particularly at the back, and we were you know we were so so disciplined and organized it almost feels unfair to pick somebody out and the only re- i'm I'm just going to pick darnell out partly because obviously he scored the goal so it, you know he's a, he's a relevant topic of conversation but also because he he does get sometimes much maligned and you know he won 100% of his tackles he won the most tackles of any albion player he also made the most interceptions so he's obviously got us the goal which early doors which is massive because to get an early goal like that against against a team like Ipswich and given the kind of team that we are is absolutely huge but also then he did his defensive work going the other way absolutely superbly didn't
0: he yeah and I think I mean both both full sometimes come under criticism and I can never really see why because I think we've got two two of the top fullbacks backs in the division in Townsend and Furlong um But Furlong was was excellent again. And I think it's easier to kind of notice these good performances when you, especially for a defender, when they get a goal as well. But um, he was excellent at what, you know, his primary role is, I guess, of actually defending. Um, But then he was also really important in in helping us get forward and um, getting down the right flank. And and he got his goal as well to add to it. So it was a really good uh, performance. And I think it's good to see him getting some credit for, for that, because I think he's been pretty pretty consistent throughout the whole season and, and a good performer in general.
1: People said before this uh, this run again. I mean, there was <laughs> there was people saying after uh, after we'd um, uh, uh, after we'd won uh, won a couple of games against the, uh, the likes of uh, QPR, Coventry. Obviously, we beat Sheffield Wednesday around then as well. That uh, okay, it's all well and good beating the teams towards the bottom, but. We will really be tested over the next six games, Hull, Southampton, Ipswich, Leicester, Cardiff and uh, Sunderland. Not necessarily in that order, Um, but we've played three of those, Pete. We've won two. We lost the other one, but we probably should have won the other one as well. I mean, we're 50 percent of the way through uh, through that particular run of incredibly difficult games. And we are we're picking up fantastic results uh, from from those from those games, which is You know, I mean, if people said, okay, this is where we're going to measure West Bromwich Albion and how good this West Brom side is over this run of six games, obviously we've got half of them to go. But after three of them, well, we're measuring up, aren't we?
0: Yeah, we've done brilliantly in the three games. Like you say, one, two. And I think it's fair to say we deserve to win against Southampton as well. And obviously the sides that we've played have been very high quality. And I mean, in the case of Ipswich, we spoke about it for like an hour and a but we completely nullified them, and and it it wasn't really, it didn't really look like we we're playing second in the division, which is just huge credit to Corbran. And I think yeah, if these were the games that were going to test us, then we've we've definitely come out on top and 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 passed the test. Um, hopefully we can continue that. Obviously we've got um the best team in the division coming up after Cardiff. Just to be clear, I'm referring to Leicester there, not Cardiff. Um but Cardiff are also a good side and I think on the edge of the playoffs as well. I think I'm not sure exactly where Crazy they are. Crazy
1: comeback against against Preston, wasn't it? Was it an equaliser in the last minute of the game and last minute of normal time and then and then a winner from uh, our our man Ugbo uh, deep deep into in into injury time?
0: I think it was our man Colin Grant that got the equaliser in the something like the 96th, wasn't it? And then the 98th that they won it. So it was,
1: True, although he can't play against us, fortunately.
0: Yeah, but oh, I'm not even going to say it. I don't want to jinx it. Um, but yeah, Cardiff are a good side and have got some good players. So they're going to be a test as well. But if we can perform like we have done against uh, Southampton and Ipswich, then um, I think we've got, a very good chance of coming away with three points. I think all the other all the teams that are going to be playing us will be looking at a fixture that they don't really want to play because we're in such good form and especially with performances that they'll look at the, the recent performances and think.
1: And with players coming back as well, Pete, you 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 had Swift and Major back on the pitch um, uh, the the other day. I mean, our bench that's that's the strongest bench I could uh, of an Albion side I can remember probably probably going back to like the. Billich promotion season almost. I, I can't remember us. I can't remember the last time we had a bench that strong.
0: Yeah, when you when we've got the full squad fit, we've got a very strong squad, and it's brilliant to see both Madra and Swift back on the pitch. And I suppose the only, I think the only two players we're missing now are Daryl DK and, and Martin Kelly. Um, and I think
1: Chalibre, that, was unavailable as well for uh, for the Ipswich game.
0: Oh, was he? Okay, I missed that one, but um, I've not seen what that is at all. Hopefully, it's not anything long term but we're looking No, right n- neither to... have I.
1: i'm i'm assuming he uh, i'm assuming he was injured he wasn't he wasn't in the in the in the match day squad so i'm assuming there's there's a reason for that that i i'd be surprised if he'd just been left out that's uh, that's what i'm saying
0: yeah so hopefully that's just something short term a little training injury or something and he'll be back soon but when we do have the the full squad available we've got a very strong squad and i suppose this period around december around christmas is always the period that kind of gets looked on as the, the really congested period and I suppose you've got the cold weather as well so you, I guess you've got a high risk of, of injuries. Um so it's important to have that full squad so that we can rotate it. I think I'd be quite surprised if we started with the same starting eleven when we play Cardiff on Tuesday, I believe. Because then obviously we've got Leicester at the weekend as well. But to have Majo, Swift and Enter back is, is a massive is is massive for us because they're just such talented players and I mean, I'm really excited to see Madger and Sarmiento get going as well, because I think when they do settle in and get a few more games under the belt, they're going to be really top players in the championship. Obviously, we already know that John Swift is, so, you know, that goes without saying. But the other two, um, and especially Major because we've not seen much of him yet, but I think he'll be, be really impressive. I think the fans will like him a lot once he starts playing.
1: Some of his little touches after he came on uh, against Ipswich were just absolutely glorious. I, I just, uh, I just love the technical ability of the guy. He's just, he, he, as you say, I think we've got a few players there that we've not seen as much of as we'd probably like in Major and, and Sarmiento, who just have wonderful, wonderful technical ability, and I think it's just going to be a lot of fun to to watch for the, for the rest of the season. Um, as as you say, Pete. I don't think we've got anything to fear from anybody, but we do have two massive games coming up uh, this week, uh, Cardiff City and then uh, away from home on Tuesday. And then the league leaders, Leicester City, come to town uh, for a 12.30 kickoff uh, at the weekend. So we've got a couple of really big games, um, but... Yeah, no reason to fear anybody at this stage. And as is usually the case when we have two games in in a short period of time, unfortunately, uh, our work commitments uh, do preclude us largely from doing uh, doing pods. We uh, we 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 kind of sucked it up a little bit at the, at the back end of the, of the of the season when we were chasing the uh, chasing the playoffs because it becomes so so uh, so massive, and we we will probably do the same if we get to that that point at the business end of this season. But um, it is just a little bit too much to do. Uh, to do midweek pod so we will be back after the Leicester game to look back on the two games from this week let's hope uh, we keep this good run going and we've got even more positivity to uh positive things to discuss after that Leicester City game hopefully another six points on the board who knows where we could be at the end of this week but we shall see and we shall uh, speak to you then but until then thanks for listening and up the baggies
0: by fans.